Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor's I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the uh, cardinal my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town with goals down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. Welcome into the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm with Ray Cotto today. It's June 20th and it really is the dead time of the offseason, but we got some fun stuff to talk about today. Before we talk about some NFL news, just wanted to kind of give a shout out to somebody you might be seeing on some of our social media pages. That is our boy, Joey. Uh, Joey's going to be helping out, just trying to spread the word and growing kind of the social media pages. So if you see him, say what's up. And Joey, thanks again for everything you're doing. Ray, what's going on with you? Yeah, man. Uh, day by day, just getting closer to to the season. And like always, I'm just counting down till training camp. You know, you see, you see when you log on to social media every day, every morning, it's like X number of days till NFL kickoff. And it's like some former player with that number. And there's like a highlight of him just kind of gets you fired up to start the day. Uh, yeah, it's that time of year. And that's what I look forward to every morning when I wake up is X days to the season. Who's the random football player that's going to show up on my Twitter feed with some highlights from like 2004 because he wore the number of how many days are left before kickoff. I do love that. I was actually thinking today, like, do you have a Emmett Smith jersey? And if not, you kind of need to get one since he's number 22. I do have an Emmett Smith jersey. Yes. You need to wear it more. And I was curious if there's sure. a Packer with 22, because like I need to wear that more. Um, I don't know, probably some one one of the safeties you drafted, like or you know, that just never worked out. I don't know. <laughs> I'll look into it. and I'll get a name. Atari but, uh, Big B was 20, right? Keep going. We're not going to waste know. podcast gonna, time. I'm I was going to call Big you B's out number. on something else. I'm going to call you out on something else. Sure. Uh, you called out Des Bryant on Twitter that you're going to match up with him one-on-one at the Fantasy Football Expo, which we will be at this August. And I hope to see a lot of you there. And what you might see if you're there is Ray getting absolutely toasted and probably mossed. Mossed only if you're fast enough to like get in decent position. That's not an if. You've seen me run the 40. It's not not an (laughs) if, all right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not your average Joe, all right? Yeah, trust me. I'm not that guy, pal. I'm not that guy. So... Wow, I'm re- I'm ready for, I'm ready for Des like like vertically like you know if if whoever the quarterback is like throws it up yeah all right cool I'm it, you probably got me but like do ten yard squaring or something I'm I'm all about it I'm, can we get I'm a snippet can we get a snippet of this just can we <laughs> whoever's out there that I'm pointing to imaginary people let's get a snippet of this let's send it to Des let's make sure he's ready because it sounds like he might need to train a little bit I gotta see exactly how old Des Bryant is before I go any further because like Bro, I, I can say this old. about. He's a little older though, so like it's fine. Yeah, he's thirty-four. It's just like it's exponentially aging happens like significantly more every year after thirty. Is that what happens? That's why. It's yeah, different. and and you know between the 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 quality of quarterback play that's going to be there, you know, it, it's more. I'm playing the ball more so the receiver. You know, it's like I'm it, I'm just covering like a silhouette. It doesn't matter who I'm covering. It's it's the ball I'm playing. The they do ball. play with those inflatable balls, right? It's like it's like it's like a balloon that you can't really throw more than ten yards down the field. So we're gonna have to talk to Bob Lung about that. Maybe get some real footballs this year. 
Yes, and I am also. I would. I would like to. I'm curious about Dez's performance in the 40 yard dash, which, uh, you know, rumor has it, is coming to the Fantasy Football Expo as well. So, um, yeah, well, we'll see. I'm I'm challenging Dez on both fronts. I don't know if I could run under five anymore. Like I feel confident that if I trained, I could. But I'm just talking about like getting out of bed one day, going to run a 40. Could I break five? I, don't know. I mean, you have to keep your footing. Last time you tried to even keep your footing, so we, we just right. won't know until August. That was a three-day binge, and I was wearing Converse. Like, come on, come on. Okay, I was wearing a vest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my phone were, in my you, pocket. You were bulletproof. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, they did not tune in to hear to hear this. They're they'll just wait for the video now. With uh, you know, you're the expo if Des shows up. Yeah. All right. So we'll jump into the off-season stuff. We wanted to start off talking about Sam Howell, who has supposedly been just absolutely acing the off-season tests. Uh, a lot of hype around him and his performance there in Washington. So, I mean, I think it's I think the conversation is not is Sam Howell going to be a top ten quarterback in the league? Because I think we all know that the answer is probably no. I don't think that's really debatable. Uh, if it happens, amazing. If it, but it's likely not going to happen. But but the real question is in all twenty-two. If you're in a 12-team league, which right, which right now is the biggest league that you can play in, is Sam Howell even worth rostering? You know, so I saw this come up and I was, you know, kind of curious. I was like, all right, let me look back at the college grades. I remember talking about him. I remember watching him coming into the league, but don't remember the numerical grades or, or the breakdown to that end, right? And so his no-pressure grade, which is sort of the, the more stable metric, uh, in his uh, final year of college was 90.6 compared to just as a, a benchmark, 92.9 for CJ Stroud and 93.2 for Bryce Young. Um, so relatively close there, but overall passing grade was an 89 for Howell in 2021 compared to, uh, or I'm sorry, 81 overall for Sam Howell in 2021 compared to an 89 for Stroud and 91.3 for Young in 2022, their final collegiate year. So as a quick barometer, no pressure, relatively close to sort of the, the other young quarterbacks that have come into the league that were drafted highly, but on an overall basis, uh, a pretty decent bit below uh, in those in that college grading. And Coming into the league again, now switching over to kind of just him as a prospect, he has the arm talent and has mobility. He moves well, but he does not handle pressure very well, which, as you know, is my biggest uh, sort of factor when looking at a quarterback and evaluating or projecting their performance moving forward. Uh, his pressure grade his final year of college was bad, bad at 49.1, which is what you see on tape. He looks to run way too early. And when you're in a division with Micah Parsons, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, I'm sorry, the Philadelphia Eagles front seven, and you're facing Kayvon Thibodeau twice a year, uh, I'm not sure he's natural enough progression-wise to be effective. So I, I guess he's a replacement-level starter in the NFL, which is a back-end quarterback, too, at best in all 22. Um ADP-wise so far, he's he's got an undrafted ADP, so he's not in the top 53 times 12, do the math, um, picks on average in the platform. So I think that's about right. It's kind of a a, a waiver pickup in, in the event that he does start to perform well or you've got an injury or something and you really need uh, a hole to fill desperately at quarterback. But 
I'm, I'm not really investing heavily in, in him as a quarterback one or two at this point. I'm kind of the John Gruden mindset, which is I would always roster as many quarterbacks as I possibly can. Like I want as many guys in all 22 on my roster at the quarterback position just because of how valuable it is. Uh, Sam Howell is a starting quarterback in the NFL. And if you're in a 12-team league and everybody has three, that's 36, right? So there, there's going to be four teams that don't have their third quarterback being an NFL starting quarterback. So in my opinion, I think Sam, Sam Howell is definitely somebody you would put on a roster just by the sheer fact that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, when you look at his college grading, like you said, he does have some good numbers to talk about. Like you talked about him in a clean pocket. He does well, um, but just straight offensive grading, right? He had 90 PFF grading both his sophomore and junior year, and he had a run grade of a 91. So uh, it's I remember people talking about kind of Baker Mayfield, about his running ability, and I think – the difference between college and NFL is you can be an effective runner in college without being an NFL level running athlete. But when you get to the NFL, you're not going to be able to do those things that you did in college. So I, I agree with you. I don't think Sam Howell's running ability is something that he's going to be able to rely on. Um, I think the question really goes to, and it, it will determine how effective Sam Howell is, is just, how good are the pieces in that offense around him, right? So he has what I think a lot of people would argue is maybe top 20 receiving weapons in the NFL, right? Like he has um, Terry McLaurin, uh, Dotson. Uh, I think he has... I can go higher than 20. You got Curtis Samuel there too, who... Curtis Samuel, right. Been on the hype train since he came into the league and he hasn't proven me right yet, but I'm still on it. I don't, I'm not getting off the bandwagon, so... Yeah, I think I think he's got a top a top fifteen, top twelve offensive core around him. Yeah. So with that, you know, I think there's there's promise that I think you'll have games where he is playing as like he's going to grade he's going to have games where he grades in the seventies, right? Like that's going to happen. Maybe he touches eighty a week or two. I think there will also be weeks where he's in the forties and the fifties. So not somebody you want to be your everyday starter, but in my opinion definitely somebody that I would roster with that John Gruden approach with the, with the one start he did have though, right. In the NFL, he has one start to his name, 61.5 passing grade, 6.7, all 22 points. It's not that bad, right? Like in the one start, it wasn't <sighs> that, that was, bad. That was an unmotivated defense week 18 at home. That just, it was a throwaway game and I would have expected him to do better because it wasn't a throwaway game for him. <laughs> uh, that it wasn't obviously right for a start, but yeah, I would have expected better against an unmotivated defense that just was looking forward to the playoffs the next week and had nothing to play for. I'm going to do something stupid just because like devil's advocate, have a little fun here. But I remember call, I remember telling you when you drafted Patrick Mahomes and after his rookie year, I was like, dude, he's a bust. Just get rid of him. Trade him to me. And you were like, it's one game. I'm not going to overthink it. Because he didn't perform that well in his one game in his rookie season. I don't think it's really fair to be like, uh, 61, like he should have been better in the one game. The defense wasn't motivated. Like you're a rookie and it's your first time on the football field. I don't think it has any determination as to how good you can be. I'm not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. All I'm you saying brought it is, up. I, you brought up the game. I wasn't going to bring it up. I was just going to just lean on the fact that I wouldn't roster him and I got to make cuts somewhere because I have nine offensive tackles. So no, <laughs> when you take, need one, you know who to call. 
take him every day. But let's jump to the next quarterback, which is Kirk Cousins. Uh, reports are that he is not talking contract extensions at this time with the Vikings. Uh, I think there's a few things that we need to look at here, which is like, one, if you're the Vikings, is that a mistake? Should you lock Kirk up long-term or are you okay letting him go? I think the second thing is being a little reminiscent of what happened with him and when he was in Washington, where he had no problem playing out his contract. They kept franchise tagging him. He made like a hundred million dollars in three years as like this, like what was at the time, this below average kind of replacement quarterback that ended up being pretty good, right? He bet on himself and he made a lot of money doing it. Can we see something like that playing out in Minnesota? The difference is he'll be 35 years old this season. And things that you did when you were younger, you can't keep doing when you're 35 years old, uh, Des Bryant. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's different now. He's, what, seven years, six or seven years older at this point now. And, and he's had enough time with the Vikings that he just hasn't been able to take that next step with that offense and accomplish what they want to accomplish, right? It just feels like they're always eight and eight or nine and seven and now nine and eight or whatever it is. Uh, and then even this past year when they won all those close games, and they had a good record. You just, you never felt like it was actually going anywhere. And they lost to a not great team in the first round of the playoffs, just to be frank. Um, for all 22, he's been actually great for you. If you were the uh, a manager who actually scooped him up late you know maybe in your startup you didn't have one of those early picks to get the premier quarterback so if you drafted him later on um he was grading you know eight to ten uh top eight to ten for about three years or so um in a row he was grading in the, in the mid to high 80s and now it's just to the point where it, again that next step was never taken and he's getting older so basically he's a great distributor of the football who manages the game really well. So you're going to grade well with that style and that's great, but he can't take that next step and he's had the opportunity to, and he's got the number one receiver in the league that he's been throwing to as well. So if, if he can't get it done indoors with a Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, and that, that division hasn't been as strong as it was maybe a handful of years ago, I think the Vikings are looking at that and they're saying we're perfectly fine with not talking contract with you and we'll just, you know, see what happens in nine months. All right. So I think it's a mistake. Uh, you know, he has performed really well and I think it's really easy to blame him for the Vikings not reaching the next level. Uh, but then you see an offseason like this one go by where they trade Sedarius Smith, they let, you know, Adam Thielen, who I probably agree with them letting him go. But what are they replacing these players with, right? What are they what are they bringing in, right? So they bring in Marcus Davenport, good, right? It's probably Zadarius Smith is a higher level player than Marcus Davenport, so they're not probably fully replacing it, but they're trying to make a financial decision there, get a cheaper option and bet on the upside. Uh receiver, they go and they draft um Jordan Addison, right? My boy from USC, Pittsburgh. They go and draft Jordan Addison, which might be an upgrade from Adam Thielen, but Adam, Adam Thielen was a touchdown machine, right? Like there is a skill set that's lost there. Like you're not, it's not like a one for one switch there. And I don't think they did anything else, you know, to really 
replace the receiver position. And then it's just, what did they do besides that, right? Like, what else did they bring in to help make this team better, right? Is it just, no, Kirk Cousins, you have the best receiver in the league. Go be better. Go take us to the next level. I don't think that's really fair to ask a quarterback to do when you're not really making the investments around him. When you look at what the Eagles are doing for Jalen Hurts, when you're looking at what the Bears just did for Justin Fields, right? It's like when a team has what they think is their franchise quarterback, you're supposed to give him the tools to be successful. Kirk Cousins isn't making top NFL money anymore, right? So he's kind of back to that middle of the pack salary where you can go build an NFL a Super Bowl team around him. You can go spend money in free agency. And the Vikings just aren't doing that. Um, one other thing I'd just say is like Christian Darisau, which is like his best offensive lineman who was having a breakout year, got injured towards the end of the season. Yes, he did come back, but I don't think he ever came back to his full potential. Like in the beginning of the year, you were seeing like high 80s, low 90s grades from him every week. Then he gets injured in week uh, 11 or 12. And then it, he comes back week 15, and between 15 and 18, it's it's still good play, but it, he never reached 90 again, right? He was never that level of Christian Darisau again. Not saying he won't come back to that, but it's just it just goes to like, yes, you could put it all on Kirk Cousins to be like, you got the team to the playoffs, but you didn't go and win. You didn't go and take them to the next level. Where, what pieces are there to really help him do that besides Justin Jefferson? Yes, they hit on a couple players, Darisau, Jefferson. It's making the team better. But it's this very slow and arduous process that I think Kirk Cousins is kind of a saint for just being patient with them. At some point, like I think he he should want to win. And you're right, he's getting to the end of his career. Um, when's it going to happen for him? Uh, you're discounting. They did add uh, T.J. Hawkinson, so that's another weapon. And maybe they're saying, okay, now that you have a full off season with him, get that chemistry down. You know, he can work the middle of the field while you have Jefferson on the outside and Jordan Addison as well. But I mean, he just he just hasn't taken that step, man. You watch him and there's no there's no playmaking, there's no extra value add playmaking. Um there's nothing yeah, there's no playmaking there. I, I just don't know how else to say it other than Let me ask no you a question. playmaking there. Let me ask you a question. Would you be shocked, shocked if Irv Smith had a better year this year than TJ Hawkinson. Mm, I would be surprised. I'd be, I have them. I actually have them both, uh, but I'd be surprised. Right. Okay. You'd be surprised, but it wouldn't be like, you wouldn't be like, wow, I never thought that would happen in a million years. Yeah, I never I'd be mad at Kirk Cousins for not, th- Kirk Cousins for not no, throwing to no, Irv no, Smith no. earlier. Because the truth is, is the Lions moved on from TJ Hawkinson, right? Like TJ Hawkinson is a good player. I agree with you. He's a good player, but like there's, there's probably like 20 tight ends in the NFL right now that are like it's it's Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and George Kittle, and then there's this massive teardrop, and then it's 20 guys and TJ Hawkinson and Irv Smith probably are in that same group of guys. Where yes, it's 75% more likely that TJ Hawkinson will have more all 22 you know points on the season than Irv Smith will, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. If you're telling me there's a 25% chance Irv Smith is better than Hawkinson this year. I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, but again, I like, I'm still just going to get mad at Kirk Cousins. If, if Irv Smith has a great year, I'm going to say, okay, why were you throwing to, uh, I don't know, was it Rudolph or whoever, insert tight end here? I know Irv Smith had some injuries, but there were opportunities there when he was in Minnesota, and they, they didn't take advantage. So 
uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, you want to take your cue from the, from the franchise that drafted a, a running back and a linebacker in the first round, instead of the hall that the Eagles ended up getting a couple months ago, you, you can go ahead and do that, but I'm still just going to stay mad at Kirk cousins. Um, they did draft, they meaning the Minnesota Vikings, uh, did draft Jaron Hall in the fifth round. So yeah, hot take. Uh, we talked about Sam Howell earlier. I think I might take Jaron Hall before I take Sam Howell if I'm making a futures bet as far as who I would want on my team in 2025. Who did you draft uh, quarterback from Minnesota a couple of years ago? Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, yeah. A&M guy. Uh, he's so bad, I forget his name. Yeah, yeah. Kellen Mond. So you yeah. also made hold the bet two years against Kirk Cousins and drafted yes. Kellen Mond, right? So before you but tell people to draw their on, starting quarterback, <laughs> no, Sam Howell. Go ahead. Context. I told you when I drafted Kellen Mond, I don't really like this guy. I just, I'm just taking him because I don't like Kirk Cousins either. I did say that. Don't get, so don't have like people, Jaron Hall. They'll never listen to me if they'll never listen to me if if they just hear that I drafted Kellen Mond. So you like what you're saying is you like Jaron Hall. I do like Jaron Hall. I liked him a lot actually. Ante. he was a fun player to watch. I don't think, you know, I don't think I'm talking like you know top 15 quarterback or anything in the NFL, but he's a fun player who just kind of has a bit of a knack. And I think that's probably what I'm trying to explain that my issue with Kirk Cousins is is just that that knack to just elevate ever so slightly what's around him. I don't see that knack from Kirk Cousins as good as he is just down to down to down to down in an almost boring fashion until Justin Jefferson makes some insane catch. Jaron Hall has that fun little playmaking ability to him that I haven't seen out of Kirk Cousins uh, in a while. So will he ever get the shot? I don't know. It's a fifth round pick. It's not a high investment at all. Uh, the Vikings who turn around and draft a quarterback much higher next year or end up playing it safe and signing Kirk Cousins again after the season. Um, but I like Jaron Hall. So if we're talking quarterback flyers, there you go. Jaron Hall. So you're, so you're taking the fifth round pick that might never get an opportunity to play over the current starting quarterback in Washington. Who's also a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am. Yeah. Sounds crazy. Okay. But you know, I just got to be a little you, crazy. I just learned that you can't say sophomore anymore. Like in school, I don't want to get like political, what? but like you can't say freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, in college anymore you have to say first year, year second year third year fourth year i was like it's like one of those covid year things where everyone's in college like six years now and everybody getting drafted is 24 years old i don't dude i don't know i just heard it from my young cousin i thought it was bizarre thought i'd bring it up but last question on kirk cousins before we move on because like we're, we talked way too much about kirk cousins <laughs> but do you think that kirk cousins right now is a better quarterback than joe flacco was when he won the super bowl Oh gosh. Yes. But Joe Flacco didn't run into Pat Mahomes while on his Super Bowl run. So yeah, I would say so. Okay. All right. I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay, right. hold on. I no, think... I gotta ask you a question. I'm gonna ask you a question. Go ahead. Do you think Kirk Cousins is markedly better than Ryan Tannehill was a year, two years ago? Because it kind of feels like I think what I'm trying to get at is it kind of feels like this Kirk Cousins thing is heading to a Ryan Tannehill type situation. We know he's not long for Tennessee. And, yeah, I think you know, I think two years ago, yeah, it was probably closer. But I think Tennessee's team is significantly worse than any team Minnesota will have in the near future. 
that team has a very solid young core on that offense that will always give a higher floor to that team during Kirk Cousins' time there than Tannehill currently has in Tennessee. All right. Good news for Jaron Hall. <laughs> All right, but let's move on. Staying with Minnesota, but going to the other side of the ball, Daniil Hunter is skipping minicamp because of contract issues. And I have a hot take on Daniil Hunter, but I want you to go ahead and tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are. Uh, Daniil Hunter, Daniil Hunter, one of my favorites. So, uh, yeah, Daniil Hunter was actually my first non-quarterback player drafted in all 22 in our inaugural league. I was so stoked uh, to, to draft what looked like a young elite premier pass rusher who had a great profile, just everything going for him. I drafted him, yeah, second round of our inaugural All-22 draft a few years back. And then he, you know, just had a herniated disc, ended up missing the entire 2020 season. Then the next year in 2021, he tore his pectoral. So again, up until the moment I drafted him, he was looking like a top three edge rusher and franchise cornerstone until he suffered those injuries uh, and basically missed the better part of two years. But he bounced back for the most part last year with an 86.3 grade in 2022, which was the sixth highest among all edge players with at least like 540 snaps or something like that. So talking a top six edge player and he'll play this season at 28 years old still. He was very young when he was drafted. He might have been the youngest player in the league uh, for his rookie year. So he did lose a Darius Smith uh, opposite him on the other end of the line of scrimmage there. But like you mentioned, uh, they did get Marcus Davenport, who I've been intrigued by for a while. Um, so I definitely think he can repeat a top 7 to 10 performance in 2023 and 2024, barring injuries. So I can see why the Vikings may be hesitant to commit long-term given his history, but I think you can make this work with guarantees and such over the next couple of years while you still have him at roughly his peak uh, because this is a premier position, right? At a position as valuable as edge, you can't afford not to make it work for a player this good. So for me in all 22, he's a definite keep and I'm just writing it out because at least the people I play with, they don't give near enough value for an edge rusher who's 28 years old. So I'm just writing it out with Daniel Hunter. Okay. So uh, I'm going to take, yeah, it's take a little bit of a story here. So like rookie year played very few snaps, sophomore year played more, but it wasn't a full workload third year, a little bit more, but still not really that full workload. And it wasn't until his fourth year that he was like an every down starter in the NFL, uh, played two years at that level before that 2020 season where he got hurt. 2021, he came back and only played 384 snaps. Then last year, he's back full time. Looking looks great, right? Um, he's been a high end player. He's shown high end upside. You, I think you said he was like sixth or something, um, mm -hmm. sixth edge. Reminds me a little bit of like Rashawn Gary, where it's this player that has the athletic profile and is going to, it comes in the league and does really well, um, faces some injuries, but I don't know if Daniel Hunter ever gets, I don't think he's ever going to be talked like, I don't think he should be talked about in that top edge range. I don't think he should be talked about with Nick Bosa or uh, Miles Garrett or Micah Parsons. I don't think he's that kind of a player. Um, I think people get a little excited about 
and I'm all for it, right? Like the, we found a third round pick and he became a superstar. That's awesome. I love it. I love the story, but he's just not that player. He's, he's just not. Um, and I think the injury stuff is real and you're talking about him only being 28, but he's actually going to be 29 for the season. And I'm not paying a 29 year old edge rusher that missed the better part of two of the last three seasons. Um, I would definitely um, make him play out this final year. He'll be 30 next year. And maybe I trade him if the year doesn't turn out the way I want it to uh, try to recoup something for him. Maybe I even place the tag on him for next year. Um, but I'm not putting a long-term deal on a 30 plus year old edge rusher uh, after the 2023 season, right? Like that's just not something I would do. So if he is on my all 22 team, I think this is the probably the most value that you're ever going to get for him because he is coming off of a good year. He had that 86.3 uh, defensive grade in 2022. He played, he played the whole season. People are just going to see that, right? Go get, go get a second round and a third round pick for him. If you can, right. Go. If, if somebody's willing to give you a first round pick, take it in a heartbeat. Um, and I, I would also say it definitely depends on the situation you're in, right? If you're a win now team, keep them. But if you're even middle of the pack, I would say trade them, get something for them. I'm going to stick with the Vikings for a second. You're the one who said that Kirk Cousins isn't making that much money. So you're going to try to win a Super Bowl, and now you're going to try and trade away a top 10 performing edge rusher. So it's <laughs> just what the Vikings do. I'm just, I'm, I am the Vikings GM. I'm channeling the Vikings GM. That's what they would do. So there have been talks that they are fielding calls, you know, whatever that means as it relates to trades with Daniel Hunter. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he does get traded. Um, but I think he's just still a very good player. So yeah, similar to the Vikings, you have to make up your mind as to what you're doing. Are you trying to win now or are you not? If you're not trying to win now, okay, fine. He is 28 years old. You want to ship him out? Sure. Uh, I'm not in that situation, so I'm definitely keeping him because if I'm a contender and I have him, I'm not trying to play that game where I flip guys for the for the high value assets just before you know try to time the stock market. Again, not at a position as valuable as edge, and that's why I think something gets done. If you talk about holdouts and you know prolonged holdouts and and situations that don't get resolved quickly or easily. It's been the running backs lately, right? We saw it with Le'Veon Bell. There's a lot of back and forth with Saquon Barkley now uh, and his situation. So when it comes to edge, I think things are going to get worked out one way or the other. Maybe it is a trade, but I think he'll be ready for the season because they will get the off the field stuff done one way or another. And then it's just a matter of for your situation in all 22. Yeah. Are you looking to win now or are you playing for the future and trying to acquire some assets? Right. Uh, let's move to the Eagles where uh, Reed Blankenship is considered to be an X factor in this defense uh, in the, in the next upcoming season, they lost their two starting safeties for in free agency. So how big of an impact do you see Reed Blankenship having? And also, um, you know, how do you start to value a guy like that in all 22? Uh, I can be a bit stubborn and a bit sticky, but I mean, to me, I'm not banking on anything big time from Reed Blankenship, right? I think everyone gets pretty hyped about the Eagles right now because of their talent on the front seven, uh, along with kind of that offense and all the weapons on the outside and, and, and all that good stuff. Right. But 
the the thing that's been holding them back is the secondary, not just the safeties, but the corners as well. And I think a part of that is because you have someone like Reed Blankenship projected to be a starter. He played actually very well last year or, or relatively well, right? We talked about how safety as a whole was just down, uh, both in performance last year and then as far as rookies coming into the league this year as well. But he he graded ninth best of all safeties in the league with an 89.4 run defense grade. Oh, sorry, that was fourth best actually among safeties, 89.4 against the run. I don't think the Eagles are going to need their safeties to play the run very often um, based on their personnel. So I'm just not seeing it. You're asking us as all 22 players and guys who have watched Javon Holland, for example, go from an elite performance to complete middle of the pack mediocrity from one year to the next. Uh, and then you expect me to say or bank on someone like Reed Blankenship maintaining that high level of play that was buoyed by run defense. I just can't buy it. He's His ADP is undrafted right now, and I think that's about fair. Late round flyer, okay, sure, because safety is pretty bad, so you might have a hole there. But he only played about 20 snaps per game last year, so if he's in line for a bigger role this year, does he get exposed as a starter? I think that's more likely than him maintaining some top 10 level of play from one year to the next at a position that is volatile as it is, where we've seen much more talented players fail to repeat that same trajectory. Sure. That was really pessimistic, That, by the way. My goodness. It was. But, uh, like, I, I just – I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> – because like the positive side is the positive side is is he's a really young starting safety in the NFL on a really good defense. So those factors should play into decision making. And uh, you know you're going to roster four safeties. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for him to be your fourth, right? Like I to take a risk on a young starting safety, not a bad thing, right? Um, but I agree with with a lot of what you said. The only other thing I'll say about it is. I could see a world where the Eagles defense takes a slight step back, right? Like you, you lose uh, Javon Hargrave, you lose uh, TJ Edwards, right? Like you use your linebacker. So like you are losing some of your up the middle strength, right? You're, you're hoping that Jordan Davis takes a step up. Yes. You get Jalen Carter, but is he going to be one on the field for the first week of the season, right? With like the stuff that he has going on in his life. And is he going to be up to speed? Right. And then it's Nicobe Dean is replacing TJ Edwards. Is Nicobe Dean, you know, like I think he ended up going in the fourth or fifth round. Like a lot of teams didn't think that Jordan, uh, that Nicobe Dean was going to be this NFL level linebacker because of his size and, and probably because of his athletic ability. Uh, but the Eagles take that risk on him. And now he's probably going to be put into the starting rotation after, again, at the beginning of the last season, he was like, there were games I believe he didn't even dress. So that's taking a pretty big step back potentially, although, you know, those guys could obviously impress and do great, but there could be more pressure on Blankenship to step up and be this like elite safety. And I think you're right. I don't know if I would really trust him in a role where he would be exposed even more. There were a lot of young, talented, well, of course they were young because it was the draft, but there were a lot of talented safeties in the 2022 draft class 
several of which did not grade very highly, but I would still be bullish on their prospects moving forward more so than someone who went undrafted, but maybe out the gate graded highly, whether that's like a, for example, Jalen Petrie, right? I'm definitely taking Jalen Petrie before I take Reed Blankenship in a startup, despite some really poor grading uh, from Petrie his rookie year. But again, he was on a Texans defense. That team was completely rebuilding. Uh, one of those deals where you expect, you know, year two, year three, year four to be much better, both around him and for him moving forward. So yeah, I, I would take a flyer on maybe a young safety who did not perform well last season before I chase the stock, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think my guy I'm excited about is Daxton Hill in Cincinnati, who was one of those guys who uh, probably underperformed based on his draft position. And there was games where he wasn't even, you know, getting snaps um, where Blankenship was. So I think, you know, it would be easy to just look at last year's numbers and say the the pick is Blankenship, but I think I'd probably go Daxton Hill. I'm, I'm excited to see what he is this year. Uh, last thing we wanted to talk about really quickly is news that just popped up on our screen, which is that Tyreek Hill might be in some trouble. Uh, apparently he was at a boating event and got into an altercation where he slapped a guy on the back of the head or something like that. Do you have the details of this? Yeah, he, he slapped someone in the head, some type of employee at a, I don't know, a boathouse or something because he tried docking his boat when he wasn't supposed to. Um, you can't go around slapping people when you're in the NFL. There's There was also a video before this actually came out. There was a video of his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, I'm assuming he's his agent because they were together. So uh, sorry if they're not and they're just friends, but I'm going to assume that that's his agent of Drew Rosenhaus wrestling a shark out in the water. <laughs> so we do know that Tyreek Hill was in, in the ocean and <laughs> presumably with his agent. So did he slap someone in front of his agent? That's, that would be very bad judgment on his part. I mean, it's bad judgment to slap anybody when you're uh, in the spotlight or just, just in general just slap people. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably bad judgment, but especially if they're your agent. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not much out there as far as details. Apparently the person who was slapped would, does not want to press charges, but the NFL conduct policies kind of just goes by the beat of its own drum, right? They don't, they don't need charges necessarily or conviction to go after you. So if there is video of this one way or the other, I think it's something to monitor. We did see Alvin Kamara with the situation prior to the 2022 season, um, no suspension was handed down, you know, prior to, and that situation is still up in the air. So timeline wise, it might not even be something that impacts him in 2023, but we'll have to see how, how it plays out. But, um, this is the time of year, right? The, the dead time between mini camp and training camp where players have free time and you worry that they're going to do something dumb before they're back in the team facility. And it looks like Tyree kills his name is up. Yeah. You know, I, I could totally see this being a situation where, you know, kind of like you're playing with your friends and you whack them on the back of the head when they do something stupid. Like I remember Devonte Adams last year, right? Didn't he get like assault charges from somebody when he was like walking off the field and the guy like got in his way and he like moved him out of the way. It's yeah, like, it's that easy to get an assault charge in the NFL where I, 
I could I could very much see this being one of those situations where maybe he like slapped the guy in the back of the head as like he he's thinking it's a joke, but he's also an NFL football player, and like what he thinks is a soft slap is very hard for somebody that's not an NFL football player, right? And something happens um, like that. I think the only reason I'm kind of concerned about this is just his priors, right? Like he has a long track record of some really sketchy stuff like abuse on children and domestic violence things against his, I think it was his girlfriend or his wife. Um, So I'm worried about him just in general being this guy that continues to have these situations pop up that I have to worry about him. And it's, I'm one of the those people that like I don't like having people on my fantasy teams that I have to worry about their like conduct. If a guy does something once, twice, like he's off my team mo- in most situations. And I think on top of that, it's Tyreek Hill is what what is he like? 28, 29 now? He's got to be yeah, I think uh 29 years old this upcoming season. He is 29 years old. So he's currently yeah. 29. He's currently 29. He'll play out this season at 29, yeah. Yeah, March birthday. So he's yeah, 29 years old. So one, I mean, I guess it depends, right? Depending on how long this drags out, you might have been looking for an exit strategy already, given his age. This might accelerate that, or depending on timing, might not even change those plans. Uh, just depending on, you know, any uh, discipline that might get dished out. Just depending on when that happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I don't think anybody th- should do anything like. You know, like you don't, don't cut them tomorrow, but no, no, nothing <laughs> like that. But it's definitely something to monitor. And I, I would just say, like personally, he's not somebody I'd want on my team. So I would try to move him. I would have already moved him, right? And then the fact that he's going to be twenty nine, he's got a year left, probably of like high end play. What we know about speed is when it goes, it goes quick, right? So like it's not going to be a gradual drop off for Tyreek Kill. It's probably going to be one day he's the fastest guy in the NFL, and the next he's lost it. So I don't want to. I don't want to be a Tyree Kill owner when that happens. I want somebody else to have that risk, and I know that I could probably get a first and third round pick for a talent like that. So I go make that move. Uh, but I totally again, nobody should go do anything crazy. Um, but you know, it's off season news, and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, fingers crossed. You don't have too many of these stories over the next five weeks or so. They're not right. fun. They're not fun. Um, but I think that's all we had for today. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, if you missed out on the major promo code that was going on, um, it's not too late to get some savings on an all 22 membership. So we definitely recommend that you go sign up using promo code second season. That's the number two ND season, all caps. When you check out, that'll give you $20 off one year of all 22. And this is a uh, subscription service. So Um, it'll only be off that first year, but we want to get you in here. We want you to try it out and we want to prove the value of an all 22 membership to you. So definitely get in there while you can. This offer will also not last forever. We have not put a firm end date on it, but we will soon. Um, so yeah, get in there and sign up and thank you to everybody that already did. And everybody that claimed that, uh, that 80% off coupon, you know, we, we really appreciate you coming out and giving us a shot. So thank you very much for that. And then thank you again for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF, and then leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast. And thanks for tuning in. I'm a ghost.